Koppel, host of the Time for Coffee podcast, where you get firsthand career advice into the jobs and industries that interest you the most. And before we start today's show, I have a quick favor to ask you. If you haven't already, I'd be incredibly grateful if you give us a rating and a review on iTunes. And if you're like me, you need to do it now because you'll forget later and because it's the best way to help others who may be in search of career advice to find this free resource. So press pause if you haven't done it and do it right now. I'll wait. Thanks so much and enjoy today's show. There, Java junkies, welcome back to another episode of T4C. If you're interested in breaking into the world of advocacy and public policy, then this is the episode for you. Because my next guest has served four U.S. presidents and two governors, counseled Fortune 500 CEOs, and today is the CEO of one of the world's leading food allergy advocacy organizations. But before I introduce you to Lisa Gable, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's T4C's weekly newsletter that comes out on Mondays, and it's got unique insights into dozens of different industries from the professionals who are actually working in them. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at Time. The number four, coffee.org, and the sign-up box is right there. And please make sure to check out my new weekly live streaming show on LinkedIn. I'll be sharing coronavirus-relevant career advice, interviewing guests live, taking your questions, and of course, featuring your comments. Just click on the link in show notes to follow me on LinkedIn. That way you'll know when the show is live so you can tune in. Now, my Java lovers, please grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated brew because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest is Lisa Gable, the CEO of FAIR, the world's leading food allergy advocacy organization. And it's also the largest private funder of food allergy research. Lisa has served four presidents and two governors. She's also counseled Fortune 500 CEOs and represented global public-private partnerships and nonprofits with the goal of moving these organizations to higher levels of performance. As the former president of the Healthy Weight Commitment Foundation, Lisa created and led a coalition of food and beverage industry corporations and public health and government agencies, the net result of which was a reduction of 6.4 trillion calories from the American diet. Earlier in her career, Lisa was appointed the first female U.S. Commissioner General to the 2005 Aichi World Expo, holding the personal rank of ambassador. Her corporate experience included serving as Senior Vice President of Global Public Policy at PepsiCo and 15 years spent in Silicon Valley. Lisa, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? I am so caffeinated and ready to go. Thanks for having me. Oh my goodness. It is my pleasure. So let's dive into our 10 espresso shots, which we are framing around advocacy and public policy with the first question being, what entry-level jobs, Lisa, are available to young people who want to break into this field? 
There are lots of jobs. You can look at joining an administration, going to Capitol Hill, or if you want to stay in your state, you can work at the legislature or in the governor's office, or you can actually join a group like FAIR, which is an advocacy organization. Terrific. And in terms of the kinds of titles that they should be looking out for, obviously some on the Hill, in government, whatnot, what are usually the types of titles that they should be keeping a lookout for? If you've had an opportunity to intern at a number of offices, you might be able to get a legislative assistant job in a smaller office on the House side of Congress. But if you're starting off on the Senate side or it's your first job on the House side, you want to look at what's called a legislative correspondent. If you are looking at an administration job, you know, you're really looking at an entry-level job that might be a scheduler or um, actually an assistant to someone. So your goal is to find Find a great mentor, someone you can learn from and get yourself started. And at a nonprofit or a foundation like a fair, what would the entry level positions be? There are lots of different associate jobs, entry-level management jobs, project management jobs. You know, it really depends on the size of the not-for-profit. Girl Scouts has a larger staff, so it might have an array. But again, don't price yourself out of the market. You're really looking at basic project management when you start within an organization like FAIR. Great advice. Thank you. What about a useful, hard and soft skill, Lisa? What are the ones that you look for in the young people that you hire? Today, we want people with some experience in the digital space, especially because digital advocacy is definitely a way to go. But from the soft skill standpoint, we want people who are good at managing schedules. There are a lot of moving parts in today's environment. Advocacy takes on multiple dimensions. So you need to show up at t- on time, have your talking points in place, and really ensure that you are highly responsive. I cannot begin to stress that rapid response is going to make you stand out in a crowd. Oh my God, I love that. And I have to offer an example. So one of my former Time for Coffee interns reached out to me recently, wants to connect to talk about post-college jobs. I got back to him right away and gave him some days and times that work for me. It's been 24 hours, Lisa. I have not heard back from him. One of the first things that I'm going to say when he and I do get on the phone together is you have got to respond immediately, immediately, especially when you're asking somebody to do you a favor. Don't keep me hanging. My schedule is going to change from the time that I sent you the email within 24 hours. So fantastic advice. What about someone's major, Lisa? Is it a deciding factor to get into the world of advocacy and public policy? So if they haven't studied it as an undergrad, is it a deal breaker? No, because your volunteer experience is where you're going to set yourself apart. Hopefully, if you want to move into this field, you've been volunteering at school. Maybe you've uh, joined the student government. Maybe you've joined a domestic violence organization and volunteered there or some type of women or social justice organization. Maybe you've worked on on a hotline for suicide. It's really the volunteer experience as well as your internships that set you apart within the world of advocacy because that proves to people you can actually function in a job that has some policy dynamic to it. Excellent. What about a grad school degree? I know you got one. You went to Georgetown University and got your master's there. Do you think it is necessary, less so for somebody 
at the entry level, but maybe more so for somebody who would like to be in the C-suite in government at a GS-17 level, whatever the case may be, do you think it's necessary? And if so, which type of degrees do you think are the most useful to get? I think it helps you advance into the C-suite, but it's fine for you to go and get a couple of years experience or to work. What I did is I worked full time while I went to grad school at night. And your work experience really informs the direction that you might choose for grad school. There are a wide variety of ways. And trust me, in the area of advocacy, many degrees help. Whether or not someone has a public health background or a medical profession of another type of background, whether you have gotten a, you're an RD, a registered dietitian, and so you've gotten your master's in that space. And a master's is required in that space for most of the jobs that you're looking for. But you could also go to law school, go to an MBA program. Really, we need people who can understand finance and government and in the not-for-profit sector more and more. So it depends on what you like to do and what areas you are capable of leaning in, getting excited about. And any type of experience really will set you apart for those higher levels. But yes, some type of uh, upper degree is needed. However, However, again, give yourself some time and, you know, try some work experience out. You don't have to do it right away. Fantastic. Well, speaking of different work experiences, what kind of life experiences, those experiences like work, like internships that we have outside of the classroom, do you think, Lisa, are most useful for someone starting out in this field? What would you advise them perhaps to try to experience as a way of helping them stand out when they apply for these entry-level jobs? Well, your life experience informs who you are as a person. We in the food allergy space obviously work with a lot of teenagers and college students who they themselves have food allergies. So let's say that you have dyslexia, ADHD, you have food allergies, maybe you've suffered from depression. Be an advocate for yourself. And that form of advocating on your own behalf is really the first step forward in having a public policy advocacy experience. It empowers you, it allows you to take that area where you struggled in life and inter- you know, turn it into your superpower. And I have seen so many kids who I'm now writing a letters for as they go from being part of the teen advisory group and they're applying to Georgetown and Yale and Harvard and a lot of other schools. What we talk about in the letter is the incredible self-advocates that they were and why we see them having turned adversity into strength. Love that. And I remember reading on your website, on FAIR's website, about one of your student advocates who has food allergies himself and was looking and, of course, taking that into a very big consideration as he explored where he would go to college and ended up researching which colleges actually offered meal plans that took food allergies into account. And I just thought it was fantastic that somebody who was in high school had that kind of maturity to engage at that level with the administration of a, of a college. 
it's important in the food allergy space because obviously this is life-threatening. And so, you know, there's nothing that worries a mother more than sending a kid with food allergies off to college because they worry about accidental ingestion. And also, you know, we know that college students um, sometimes have a, a bit of riskier behavior, especially at those fraternity parties. And so I'm, I'm always glad to see our teen advisors self-advocate and, and find the resources that they need. But again, that, that applies to other areas too. So I know that I have a family member with dyslexia and so as she was looking at college, you know, she was looking at programs that had special support systems that would enable her to be a powerful student despite the challenge that she had. And so any form of, of self-advocacy, really looking at yourself as a whole person, understanding what resources the university provides to you is going to be making your college experience far more joyful and, and far more beneficial to you. And I think it's also a wonderful teaching moment to show our young listeners, for instance, how you can let something you feel passionately about guide your future professional choice. And whether it's following your learning challenges, your health challenges, it's all good. It's all good. So Lisa, what for you is the best part of being in the world of advocacy and public policy? I love meeting people. I love advocating on behalf of people. I'm a warrior. I want to run up that hill. I want to mm -hmm. solve your problem for you. And having an opportunity to represent a variety of different people and and really care and understand their, their point of view. And most importantly, learning how to articulate their point of view. In our case, what we call voice of the patient really does impact what kinds of drugs are developed. In the area of healthy weight, being able to advocate for kids around issues around bullying, anything where I have a chance to meet lots of people and then utilize the incredible experience that God's given me and the network that he's given me in order to move boulders out of the way, that makes me happy. Oh my goodness. So being stuck inside sheltering in place has got to be especially challenging for you. Oh, not with Zoom, not with not with the internet. Oh my God. I have talked to more people. What's been great about it is that normally I am traveling. And when you're traveling, you're very geographically constricted, right? I'm either traveling on the West Coast or I'm traveling on the East Coast. But guess what? During the last nine months, didn't matter where anybody was. Oh, you're in Europe? Sure, happy to jump on the phone and talk with you. So I have to tell you, it's actually been kind of freeing and we have brought more people into our world over the last nine months from major donors to kids who've reached out to me on LinkedIn and other types of means. We're power using it. And that's what I suggest to people. Reach out to somebody on LinkedIn. They'll respond to you. I've actually hired people that uh, reached out to me on LinkedIn. Now, don't all of you do it because right now I, I am at the top of my hiring. But at the same time, you know, take advantage of the social dynamics that we actually can have online. But the most important thing is talk to people. It's got to be a verbal discussion. We adults don't live in the text world at some point. We want to talk to you on the telephone. We want to talk to you on Zoom. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So I'm thrilled to hear that the coronavirus has not held you back in any way, shape or form. But I know certainly being the top of any organizations comes with its challenges. So what for you, Lisa, is the part of your current job as the chief executive officer at FAIR that sucks the most? 
not being able to walk down the hall and grab somebody. You know, it is the, the, the one missing piece is, you know, I'm a very visual person, right? And so you, you go down the hall, you grab a person, y'all walk into the conference room as a team and you start drawing pictures on the wall to solve problems. That is probably the hardest thing. I, I literally yesterday, I'm like telling someone, I'm like, okay, I'm drawing four squares on the page. <laughs> I have arrows going to the right. And then I have an arrow encircling all the four squares. Do you get what I'm talking about? That is probably a bit of a challenge. Yes. Definitely. Although I did watch a webinar recently in which the young man who was leading it had a little whiteboard. I need just, I need the whiteboard. You know, and then, <laughs> and then when you're on Zoom or whatever platform you're using, you can just draw it out on your whiteboard. And it was like a tiny one, like just a desk size whiteboard. So that might be something to try out in the future. Absolutely. I'm buying one. You know, I'm reminded of that on election night, right? Like all the guys there on CNN and Fox and MSNBC, they have their little whiteboards, but that's an awesome concept. Cool. Okay. Three final espresso shots. What is the best career advice you've ever gotten, Lisa? Never give up. You are going to have so much thrown your way, but keep moving forward. Never give up. You can zigzag to the top. Life is always full of challenges, but you will get there. Oh my gosh. Double high five, Lisa. You are speaking my language, my friend. That is what it is all about. Life is kind of like a marathon. And as long as you have forward momentum, you're going to get there. You're going to cross the finish line. Lisa, what movies, if any, or streaming shows on Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, whatever you watch, or books? do you think accurately depict this profession? I'm going to give you an odd one. My favorite movie is When We Were Soldiers. And there is a screen where Mel Gibson has a group of kids that are jumping off of a helicopter into the hot zone. And he basically goes, you just got shot. You're out. You just got shot. You're out. You just broke your leg. You're out. And he looks at the next guy. He goes, you're up and you've got to do it right now. And what I love about that is you're entering in an entry-level position, but the bottom line is your boss could get sick. One of my husband's best friend's daughter, her boss got sick. And all of a sudden at the age of 22, she was in charge of all this stuff. She's calling everybody going, what do I do now? And her dad's going, okay, this is what you do in the next meeting. But I love that scene because it demonstrates you can step up. And so always be prepared to. Fantastic. And I also think going back to one of my earlier questions around the hard and soft skills, something, another quality that I hear from many, many guests that I interview that they're looking for, this is a soft skill, is a self-starter. Don't wait for somebody to lay every detail out for you. Google it. Call up your friends. Figure it out on your own. That doesn't mean to say that you shouldn't go to your supervisor with questions that really stump you, but certainly don't go 15 times a day. Save up a bunch of questions and go once. But we are looking for young people who have a can-do attitude. 
Absolutely. I want people to come to the table with solutions. I don't want them to come with questions. Now, I recognize when I'm mentoring younger people, you have to teach them how they get to that solution. But this is the time. Use your parents. Use an older sibling. Use that college kid that maybe you were the freshman and you developed a relationship with the senior. Call them up. Ask them for advice. People love to give advice. We've all been in that starting position. So just literally call up and go, how do I write this email? My boss sent me a text. And I don't know how to respond to it. Ask people. It's okay. And people want to help you. And and find that mentor in the office. That's the other thing. I mean, you know, one thing we learn is that you can find that person in the office that helps you be successful and that you develop that personal relationship that will last you for your entire life. A hundred percent. Final question, Lisa. What would Java junkies be surprised to learn about your profession? They would be surprised to learn how much time your boss ends up researching the answer to. I don't know everything. I have had the widest variety of jobs. I've entertained crown princes and princesses. I've met with presidents of countries. I've been walking the streets in Haiti. But the bottom line is, every day I get stumped by something and I Google the answer. Oh, Love that too. And by the way, I have walked the streets of Haiti as well. And you and I have something else in common, Lisa. We both studied Chinese in Taiwan. Oh, that's that's amazing. <laughs> you lived in Japan. What, what do you think about that? <laughs> exactly. And before I let you go, I want to give you an opportunity to talk about FAIR's recently launched podcast entitled Living Teal. And you also need to explain why it's called Living Teal. It's Living Teal at the Table with FAIR. And teal is the color of food allergies in the same way that pink is the color of breast cancer and red is the color of heart disease. We welcome anybody who wants to, to join. You can go to foodallergy.org and just put in Living Teal at the Table with FAIR or enter in podcast and it'll take you to it. The other thing that your kids might enjoy is that we actually have a YouTube channel that is our Living Teal channel. And we have guests like Shannon Miller and Rashad Jennings, NFL uh, football player who is on Dancing with the Stars. We have have celebrity chefs. So if you're just into health and wellness information or empowerment information, go to our Living Teal channel on YouTube because that content is aimed right at you. Awesome. And we will also include a link to it in our show notes. Lisa, thank you so much for making Time for Coffee today with me and the Time for Coffee community. This was just wonderful. Well, great. I really love talking to young people and uh, I'm so happy that you invited me to join. Thanks so much for listening to this latest episode of T4C. And if you're interested in learning more about my coaching services for confused college students and recent grads, feel free to check out the Time for Coffee website under the coaching tab at time, the number four, coffee.org or text me at 202-236-5712. That's 202-236-5712. Oh,